I'm Dr. Virginia Reid, and today in the studio I have with me Professor Louise Newman. Welcome, Louise. Hello. So Louise is the head of the Centre for Women's Mental Health at the Royal Women's Hospital Victoria, and we're going to be discussing women's mental health in this month of September. Yes. It's a mental health initiative um, with Liptember that lasts the whole uh, month and we have Mental Health Week in October. And why Liptember? What, what does Liptember refer to? Well, Liptember is um, an initiative and a, um, a philanthropic organisation which is really been championing uh, women's uh, mental health and the Liptemba emerged uh, from, I guess, publicity that had happened with the men's mental health version of Movember when the whole month, in that case the month of November, um, was dedicated to men's health and men's mental health issues and the symbol for that was the moustache, hence Movember. So people, I think, were thinking about, well, how can we highlight the issues for women's mental health and they came up with Liptemba and the motif or the symbol of the organisation and the initiative are lipsticks, sort of stereotypical in in one sense but bright, attractive colours that really um, uh, highlight um, some of the issues that we want to raise. Fantastic. And so what sort of things were you wanting to raise specifically with women's mental health well, we um, run a whole range of um, projects uh, and programs to help um, improve women's mental health across the lifespan. So we, um, at the Women's Hospital, um, work with uh, women who um, transition to parenthood. So we start working with women um, in pregnancy. We also see adolescent um, adolescent um, girls and women who are coming through our services. Um, we cover the lifespan. We see women going through uh, menopause and other ageing related uh, issues uh, and we run a fairly comprehensive mental health service. Uh, on the whole I think the issues are significant because in the Australian context these have been under under supported issues. It's been very difficult over the years to really get the focus both in terms of clinical services and research that we need um, around these sorts of issues and yes, they're obviously very vital to the health of the entire community, families and when we're thinking about parenting, something like a condition like postnatal depression, we're obviously thinking about the next generation as well. So ensuring the mental health of women and uh, women and their important relationships is pretty central to improving the mental health of the entire community. Mm. When I think mental health, I think unwell, ill health. But do you have programs to actually promote good health? Well, I think they're very related, aren't they? I mean, we need treatment. Um, when people actually have um, conditions like depression or anxiety, which are very common conditions. I don't think we should shy away from that. Um, you know, 20% of women at any one time will experience these sorts of conditions and they're more common during um, stressful life events, um, you know, such as having a baby or changes in family circumstances or getting something like breast cancer. So these are very important. In terms of prevention um, and early intervention we like to do as much as we can um, to actually help uh, young um, girls and young women understand the importance of emotional well-being in their lives. Girls um, in contemporary society obviously have a lot of um, particularly social pressure uh, on them um, so we see conditions in, in very young women things like anorexia, other um, eating um, difficulties, 
Um, and often we need to um, be much more aware that even um, the very very young women can experience significant depression. Um, prevention, I think, is, is very well targeted when we think about um, helping women during pregnancy. Um, that's helping them uh, in the uh, adjustment to what's going to be a major change in their lives, helping them parent in the way that they would like to, and it's also preventing difficulties in their infants. So I think there are a range of approaches that if we're going to be serious about tackling the issues, we actually need um, to have in a comprehensive um, suite of programs. And so what got you interested? What, what Do you mind me asking what's your background and what's your training? Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a child psychiatrist by training um, and in my training I've uh, mainly worked in the area of um, early early childhood and infancy um, development, so the first three years of life and working with parents um, who have issues in parenting uh, effectively. So that's very much the sort of work um, that's at that cutting edge of early intervention in the true sense um, of the word. Um, a lot of my uh, work has been um, in quite high-risk situations, so I uh, work with um, women who might have difficulties with depression or uh, women who've had difficulties with substance abuse, for example, uh, women experiencing domestic uh, violence, and I currently do a lot of work with asylum seekers. So it's, um, I think it's a very big, it's a very big area, um, and in our services we need a whole range of different professionals, so we have psychiatrists, psychologists, social work, nursing, uh, the whole range of, of people that we need in, in, a, in a hospital setting like this. Mm. We are talking now about pathology, aren't we? People with issues, people with problems. Um, I guess they come into the medical system various ways. And, and so that's what you're seeing there in your mental health clinic. But you were mentioning that you see adolescents as well, so I was getting a sense that maybe there's some preventive health goes on in the mental health clinic as well. Yes, I think most mental health services these days would see themselves as doing both those things. Um, we run a lot of um, uh, programs which are for healthy people to actually attend. Many people these days are much more literate around yes. mental and health I, I and well I find that a lot of, lot of people that were interested in that sort of thing, sorry to talk over the top of you, will, will Google search a particular, and if you've got the wording right, you'll come up with venues, dates, times, etc. What what would be the names of some of the clinics, for example, that you would run or, or sessions, workshops, etc., that you would run under that banner of preventive health? Well, we, we run programs so that might be running out of the hospital, but we have a very large program at the moment called BEAR, uh, Building Early Attachment and Resilience, where we're, um, it's very much, uh, as you can tell by the title, it's very much about um, prevention and early intervention, and BEAR starts in pregnancy, so we run um, group programs um, helping in um, management of um, of pregnancy, transition to parenthood. We can then offer groups um, in the early parenting period. Um, we offer a program called Parenting with Feeling, um, which is very much about being an emotionally attuned parent. Uh, and many um, people in the general community are very interested in these sorts of approaches. And so how would they access them apart from in your clinic? Is there a way of doing that? There are various programs um, around that people can people want to search. Um, some of the pregnancy uh, programs 
which really use what we would call a mindfulness approach. So they can use um, approaches like meditation or um, mindfulness exercises to help during pregnancy. Um, there's a lot of that going on at community health um, community health level. Um, some general practice um, groups are running those sorts of, of those sorts of interventions as well. So I think people can um, have a look um, for those. The one that we run at our hospital is called Mind Baby Body. Um, which is a nice way of just capturing the sort of focus of, of groups uh, like that. We also run a program for some of our young um, young mothers or mothers-to-be called Baby Yoga, which is a yoga um, intervention for use during pregnancy. So there's a lot of interest in those in those sorts of approaches as well as parenting support um, in the um, the first few months of life when there's obviously a real need to get in tune with the new baby. Um, and uh, these sorts of programs are very helpful. The Women's Hospital has um, a project and some information that's out there um, with um, an associated app called the Parenting Kit, which provides a lot of information about community resources and approaches to parenting and early intervention and how to promote um, mental health. Okay, so that's an actual app that people can download called the Parenting Kit. Yes, that's spelt, right. Spelt like you, you say it. Yeah, K-I-T, kit. Yeah, so people can have a look at the Women's Hospital uh, website and, and, and see what information's there. But there are many other sources, yeah. Okay. You're listening to Wellbeing. I'm Dr Virginia Reid and today we're discussing women's mental health with Professor Louise Newman, Head of the Centre for Women's Mental Health at the Royal Women's Hospital, Victoria. So, Louise, we were discussing uh, various resources. I guess what my interest is getting this message and this help and this support out to people in more rural, remote locations as well as metropolitan uh, mums or women. Do you happen to know of any online programs? I think they're probably the best source of information for what's available in a preventive way um, beyond blue. Our website is a very good source of information. They have a whole range of resources there to help people who might be um, in areas where services are fairly sparse on the ground, but information about good mental health, how to promote mental health, the signs to look for if people are concerned about their mental health and how to get that level of support. You know, I think sometimes the issue is that people might not necessarily necessarily have um, easy access to services but there's no reason why they can't have access to information um, using sites like that um, and some central numbers where they can actually get advice if they feel that they need that. Yes and your website as well would have advice for particularly for these sorts of programs for early parenting? Yes it has some contacts there that people can always chase up. Okay so that's Royal Women's Hospital Victoria? Yes. Uh, mental health, yeah. Okay, yeah. and so the sort of preventive health that you are promoting, it sounds like, is early intervention as in first few years of life. Yes, that, that's one element of it. We also, of course, see a range, as a hospital, um, a range of, of life issues that women uh, present with, uh, not only those who are having babies. We see women facing um, very stressful life events like um, having breast cancer or other physical health problems, 
women who might be experiencing some difficulties or symptoms during uh, menopause or related to ageing and so on. These are all stressful life events and I think the principle really is um, that getting help around these events if they, um, if they are hard is very important in terms of a, being able to uh, feel a lot better, um, but also to manage the event um, and to prevent complications. So the aim of, uh, I guess, holistic and more comprehensive treatment these days of all these sorts of conditions um, is to really support people in understanding their own psychological responses and how they can best cope um, with whatever it is that they're having to deal with. People are generally um, very resilient if they have the right amount of support around them, they get enough information and we have clinical services uh, and community-based services that are willing then to engage with people and really hear um, what they're going through. So something like menopause, for example, obviously something that um, is part of life can be problematic for some people uh, and we need to um, look at ways that we can really enhance health during these life changes and help people through these sorts of transitions. So we're doing some work, for example, looking at uh, things like exercise programs and how that can be helpful for women dealing with ageing and some of the perhaps hormonally um, influenced changes in, in how people are feeling. Uh, that's been of quite a lot of interest and community health centres are often running um, exercise programs, um, particularly groups for older women. Uh, it's good for bone health, it's good for mental health. Um, so these are the sorts of things that um, are sometimes of, of great interest. And any suggestions on how much exercise? Well, that's what's being researched at the moment, fairly gentle um, gentle exercise. We're actually looking at a line dancing intervention, which was uh, in one of the groups of women that we're working with. They suggested that themselves. That was something they wanted um, to have a go at. Um, and I mean, it's obviously enjoyable apart from anything else, but that's considered gentle um, exercise, but regular gentle exercise. We're certainly not um, uh, at the moment researching anything um, um, you know, that would be considered strenuous training. Um, but it's about mobility, it's about flexibility um, and people being engaged socially as well. That's very important. Mm, I think the studies have borne that out, haven't they, that even if you play bingo, yeah. you're less likely to have depression or if it is depression, you're less likely to be severely depressed. Yeah. But uh, those studies yeah. are always fraught. But it is it is uh, fairly, well, it's common sense, but it, it has been borne out by the studies. How do people know that they're actually beyond just the normal sort of symptoms that can come with a normal menopause for example how do they know when they're when they're slipping into something a bit more serious Yes, well, they often, people often don't. I mean, people, um, some women will choose to just sort of plough on and try and ignore things that might be quite quite troubling. Others become uh, maybe um, more clearly anxious uh, about what's happening to them. I think as a general rule of thumb, I mean, if women are feeling that they just can't do what they would normally want to do or they've got overwhelming um, issues with physical symptoms, um, particularly things like sleep disturbance, uh, sweats, flushes that are disabling, um, most people will tolerate some of those symptoms if they understand what, what they are. Um, but if people are feeling they can't uh, think, they can't enjoy life, they can't concentrate, um, then clearly that's, I mean, a first port of call would usually be uh, someone's um, health advisor, general practice 
general practitioner to see um, what the, what might be contributing to those symptoms. Um, but certainly that where people feel disabled, if you like, or not able to do what they would normally want to and not enjoy life, then that would be an indicator that it should certainly get evaluated at that point. Now we know, for example, that the studies looking at antidepressants and then versus cognitive behavioural therapy, exercise program, etc. The, there's not a great deal of difference between the two, and a lot of people would prefer the cognitive behavioural therapy and exercise therapy, and with without the side effects, etc., as improving their overall general health. What a lot of people tend to suggest for menopause is is hormone replacement therapy. Have there been any good studies looking at the comparison between, say, hormone replacement therapy and exercise and, and CBT in menopause specifically? Look, those, those studies are just starting to be done. I think it's a hard to unravel all the different uh, components of that. Um, there's obviously hormonal um, impacts on things like thinking and cognition and mood. Um, and um, the, the question of what to target in your treatment remains, um, I think it's a little bit unclear um, at the moment. Um, CBT um, by itself is unlikely um, to be an effective treatment for major depression if it becomes a very severe depression. Um, so again, it often depends on the severity. But most people don't have um, major depression around the time of, of menopause. Um, it's often mild, what we would call mild to moderate, certainly unpleasant. Um, and then um, if people are wanting to try different approaches, um, but particularly that combination of looking at things like diet, exercise, general wellbeing, um, as well as some help um, with CBT, that can be effective. Um, some people don't want to take hormone uh, replacement for other reasons. Um, and which is again quite quite reasonable. Um, so there's a lot of individual um, discussion that needs to happen with women who might be experiencing difficulties. So sometimes women would be referred um, to a hospital uh, setting like this, where we have specialist menopause clinics, where there are multidisciplinary approaches. So you might see an endocrinologist, um, you might see a psychologist um, to look at mental health. And so we've got different professional groups available to help really tailor make um, a, an individual treatment um, for someone who might be having difficulties. Mm, I think that's wonderful because then the individual will choose what it is that's most appropriate and uh, doable for them. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but unfortunately that's a bit of a luxury of a, of a large centre, although I suppose country women could travel in to, to have initial diagnoses and uh, management and then go home to... Many do, yes, because it's quite, if they're significantly impacted, I think um, given that these, these sorts of services are pretty limited and are limited to metropolitan areas, people certainly do come in, um, but it's very important then that whatever treatment's recommended, that they can actually carry that on in their local area and get reviewed as necessary. Mm, absolutely. You're listening to Wellbeing. We're discussing women's mental health with Professor Louise Newman from Victoria's Royal Women's Children uh, Mental Health Clinic. <laughs> I get very confused now because there's Royal Women's. There used to be Royal Women's and Children's, and and there was yes, Royal Women's Sydney, That's and right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lots of different places. But you're just Royal Women's Mental we're Health. We're the Royal Women's. So the Royal the Children's Hospital is um, adjacent to us, right. um, but we're a standalone women's hospital. Right. Okay. And can do people uh, get a referral from their GP to you? Is that how the system works? 
Um, for mental health treatment, um, we are, we operate within the hospital for, for women who are patients of the hospital. So they've been referred um, for whatever um, sort of service they need and then referrals can be made um, to us. Right. Okay. So you don't have outpatients at the, at the hospital? Yes, we mainly do outpatients, but they're for uh, women who are um, existing patients of the hospital. So, for example, they might be coming here for whatever sort of treatment or pregnancy care um, or to, something to do with menopause, and uh, those referrals then come to us as needed. Okay, so, so we don't actually have a service where we can refer people to you for that coordinated approach, but it is a suggestion that that would be an, a, a good approach for menopausal psychological issues, mental health issues. All our clinics are, uh, operate on that sort of philosophy, I guess. If someone has menopause issues, they can be referred to the menopause clinic and then we're, we're there as part of that service. Right, okay, but they can only be referred to the menopause clinic if they've been an inpatient of your hospital. Not an inpatient, no. Ah, uh, not an inpatient, big pardon, I've misunderstood. Okay, so they can be an out, they can just be yeah. referred to outpatients. Yeah, Wonderful. menopause is not something we generally have anyone as an inpatient. <laughs> no, no, but if that had a history. Fortunately, or, yeah. Yeah, that's right, but I was thinking yeah. more along the lines of people who have, um, you know, hysterectomies as part of their therapy, etc. Yeah. And go into sudden menopause for, you know, breast cancer treatment, etc. advanced breast cancer treatment. Yeah, we have specialist clinics and we run um, um, a whole range of clinical services for women who've had both breast cancers, ovarian cancers and other, other sorts of treatments. That sounds like a wonderful thing because I remember or oh, five, ten years ago, there, weren't that, there wasn't that sort of attitude, particularly not to poor women who had sudden oophorectomies, you know, sudden menopause. Yeah. They were often the worst yeah. affected by menopause and I, I felt for them terribly because that, that, that approach is, is, is probably really useful in that setting. I think so. That's often a very abrupt and quite a severe experience that some women will have and that can trigger um, depression, anxiety, so it's important to treat that effectively. So we have those specialist clinics here. Yeah, and they're often dealing with a lot of other things besides. So, yeah, that's good mm. to know that they have that resource. Thank you very much. Well, I think we've covered the full gamut of life, <laughs> the full age range with women's mental health, but basically Lip Timber is about promoting women's health September is focusing on uh, women's mental health. Yes. September has um, uh, largely funded a whole range of research projects here at the Centre for Women's Mental Health um, and they decided when they first um, set up the organisation that mental health and particularly um, initially um, with early parenting and postnatal depression was going to be a focus as that's clearly a major women's mental health problem and now um, they're also... Uh, have broadened, I guess, their interests and so we're um, doing a whole um, range of work looking now at um, women who are at risk for domestic violence um, and how we can better support them through that experience. So it's uh, very significant um, funding. Fantastic. And do you know how people can get involved with Litemba? Yes, they can look on the Liptember. Um, they have a website. Um, Which is L-I-P-T-E-M-B-E-R. L-I-P as in lip, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's a good place to start, um, and um, they um, will be having a range of activities during uh, the month. Um, and but certainly, if the website information is quite um, gives an idea of the sorts of things that they um, focus on, 
and um, it's one of those organisations that really has a great commitment um, to the work that we're doing and I think really good for community groups and others to know about this and uh, hopefully people take that up. So there are at Chemist Warehouse who are um, the funding body behind uh, Liptember. There is Liptember promotional material. There are the famous, fabulous, bright pink coloured lipsticks for those who want to wear them right. um, during the month which are a bit of a symbol of the organisation so people can get involved in that way. And Chemist Warehouse, as we know, are all over the country. So it's uh, very great of them to be supporting this. Yes, absolutely. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for the for your, for your time. It's a wonderful initiative. I really appreciate uh, the whole of Liptember, actually. I didn't really know too much about it until recently. I was sent something, and that's hence the interview. So oh, great. No, thank you very much. Really good of you. We've been discussing women's mental health with Professor Louise Newman, Head of Centre for Women's Mental Health at the Royal Women's Hospital, Victoria. And from all of us here at Wellbeing, we wish you well. 